This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. God is real. God is real. I can still remember when Bob was saying that after a Bible study I was doing on the series on the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. And I had done the final lesson was called, It is Finished, Mission Accomplished. And he just gets up and he starts walking and saying, God is real. God is real. Now you have to understand, here's a guy who is a record truck driver, 19-year methadone heroin addict who had been delivered. And he's walking around and got the revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. I believe it was in the early 90s and Bob had been coming to our Friday night worship and the word service that I had been doing for years and it was on that series I did called The Work of the Cross and the Power of the Resurrection. And I used all these lessons out of the book of Leviticus, of all things. It was my desire to shed some light on what seemed difficult and concealed in the Old Covenant and to bring simplicity and understanding to what is revealed in the New Covenant. And by weaving together the Old and New Testaments, we can see a wonderful tapestry of, of all that Jesus did for us through His life, death, and resurrection. It was my desire for believers and unbelievers alike to get a revelation of the high cost of love displayed on the cross. Bob was the owner of an independent record truck service, and as well as having been a 19-year heroin and methadone addict. And initially, he came to our services to rescue some friends who he thought were getting involved in some cult. Curiosity and intrigue gripped Bob, so reluctantly and cautiously he came each week to hear the message of the cross. The final message was entitled, Mission Accomplished. See, Bob had been skeptic, but now with tears in his eyes, he enthusiastically came down the aisle. He came to the cross with the revelation that God of the Bible is real today. Who would have thought that a study on the book of Leviticus could so profoundly change a man's life? But that is the beauty of the Word of God, isn't it? From Genesis to Revelation, it never goes forth void. There are hidden treasures and incredible treasures of truth that lie within the pages of Scripture that reveal that God of the Scriptures, the God of all the Scriptures, is real. We all know the song, and it might even be one of your favorite Christmas carols. We three kings of Orient far bring gifts we traverse afar. This is part of the Christmas story about men who came from the East to find the Christ child. Although Scripture does not specifically refer to kings, but rather magi or or wise men, we are not given a headcount as to how many were actually there, but we do know that they were bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are the gifts of the wise that were brought to Jesus. The significance of these gifts is not only they were gifts fit for a king, but they are also fitting for a king's burial, gold for the king of all kings frankincense for the priest of all priests or intercessors of all intercessors, and myrrh for the sacrifice of all sacrifices. You see, nestled in the middle of the Christmas story was the mystery of Jesus' life, and that even though he was a king, he was born to die that we might live. In 2003, many of us saw a movie called The Passion of the Christ and saw the story of the crucifixion displayed around the world from a, from a surprising source, Hollywood. With the movie's graphic uh, description and depiction of the suffering Jesus endured, came to a realization of the high cost of his love and the brutality by which he paid the price for our sins. 
even with the controversy surrounding the graphic violence involved in the scourging and death of Christ, an R rating would not be sufficient for an accurate portrayal of the extent he actually suffered. Crucifixion was a form of capital punishment and considered the most humiliating and excruciating way to die. It is said that even the word excruciating did not exist until a word was needed to describe the pain of the death of crucifixion. The movie generated questions by many, including one national magazine that boldly inquired on their cover, Did Jesus Really Have to Die? I remember reading a medical description of what Jesus could have most likely gone through from, me- from a medical perspective, and, and it was written by the late Dr. C. Truman Davis. And each time I read it, I still get deeply gripped and moved to tears with the revelation of Christ's love and sacrifice for us. Graciously, a few years ago, Jean Davis granted me permission to print her late husband's full medical description in my book, Born to Die, That We May Live. The description also gives me a greater understanding of Psalms 22, the prophetic chapter of Christ's passion and suffering. Here is just a short portion extrapolated from the beginning of Dr. C. Truman Davis's medical description that starts in the Garden of Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives. He says, The physical trauma of Christ begins with one of the initial aspects of suffering, the bloody sweat. It's interesting that the physician of the group, St. Luke, is the only one to mention this. Though very rare, the phenomenon of hematidrosis, or bloody sweat, is well documented. Under great emotional stress, tiny capillaries in the sweat glands can break, thus mixing blood with sweat. See, the complete ramification of Jesus' passion begins to unfold when we look at the five basic sacrifices or offerings listed in the seven chapters of Leviticus. Each of these sacrifices points to Jesus and teaches us about a unique facet of His perfect sacrificial work. It seems many do not fully realize how Jesus fulfills all the Levitical sacrifices. The entire Bible meticulously points us to Jesus. The purpose of studying the Bible is more than just learning a set of religious or historical facts. It brings us into a vital relationship with our Lord Jesus. I'd like to give you a description of these five sacrifices that Jesus fulfilled in the first seven chapters of Leviticus. One, total surrender to the Father's will. That's called the burnt sacrifice. The first sacrifice described in Leviticus is the burnt sacrifice, or what we call the burnt offering, illustrating a total surrender to the Father's will. This is the essence of true worship, isn't it? A true heart that is in total surrender to God. Jesus also prayed this in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Not my will, but but thy will be done. Likewise, Jesus gives us instruction by word and example that as Christ's followers, we are we are also to offer ourselves in total surrender to the Father's will. There comes a time in our lives when the revelation of Jesus and His work on the cross becomes so real that we desire to yield in total surrender to His will. Perhaps uh, we once recited the Lord's Prayer with shallow platitudes and religious incantations, but then the words began to take life within us. Our fleshly creed of my kingdom come, my will be done, was replaced with your kingdom come, your will be done. The second uh, sacrifice in Leviticus is Jesus' sinless service. The second sacrifice we call the grain offering 
which, which is also referred to as the meal or meat offering. The, great offering. the grain offering represents the obedience of sinless service, which means grain without leaven, which naturally flows out of a surrendered life. Through Jesus' sinless service, he became our grain offering, so that we too could freely commune with the Father. As with the other offerings, the grain offering also points to the way we should live through Christ. Salt was a crucial element of the grain offerings, as seen in Leviticus 2, verse 13. And for every offering of your grain offering, you shall season it with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. The salt used in the grain offering points to Jesus as the salt of the earth, who came to cover and preserve us through eternity. Likewise, God wants us to be salty Christians. In a world filled with corruption and decay, we are to be the preservation, healing, and flavor salt in the world in Christ. The third sacrifice I call sweet communion because the third sacrifice is listed as the peace offering. The peace offering is also known as the fellowship offering. It's a symbol of intimate friendship and reconciliation. It's a spontaneous offering that expresses one's gratitude and commitment to the Lord. Praise, vow, and free will offerings are represented in the peace offering. What a great picture of Jesus' unbroken fellowship with the Father, which we, too, can experience through the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Not only does Jesus give us his peace, he is our peace. This gives us reason to show spontaneous adoration, praise, commitment, and worship to the Lord just because of who he is and what he has already done for us. You see, true peace seems to be one of the rarest of human experiences. People seek it in material prosperity or other fleeting pleasures, but it's not found there. Although many chase for inner peace, in Christ it's readily available. Jesus offers a peace that is beyond human comprehension or capacity to mentally understand. He reminds us in John 14, 27, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. Peace, fellowship, communion, completeness, wholeness, and well-being are just some of the amazing benefits that are granted to us through Jesus, our peace offering. The fourth I call our expunger, purifier, and guilt bearer, because the fourth sacrifice is the sin offering. The sin offering depicts Jesus as our expunger, purifier, and guilt bearer. To expunge means to erase or strike out, to eliminate completely, to annihilate. It was a mandatory offering that typified Jesus as the guilt substitute for our sins. He and he alone is our guilt bearer. As our sin offering, Jesus paid the debt he did not owe, because we owed a debt we could not pay. He took away our guilt and paid sin's penalty, which is death. Jesus secured the forgiveness of our sins. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, John 1.29. He took the place we deserved, the place of condemnation and death, and exchanged his righteousness for our unrighteousness. The fifth sacrifice I call the payment for the damage of sin. See, the fifth and final sacrifice was known as the trespass offering. This offering represents our need for Jesus to heal the damage done by our sin. From Adam's sin in Genesis to our own sin in acts of rebellion, sin has always caused damage. But Jesus, our Savior, Healer, and Deliverer, 
heals us, and cleanses us of the damage of our sin. As Isaiah 53.8 prophetically declared, For the transgression of my people he was stricken. Through Christ we are given this promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 what, what great news. This is amazing, great news of the, the power of God's love for us and, and the sacrifice of sacrifices on the cross that we can receive the power of his resurrection. You see, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was without sin and yet still took the punishment for our sins. He became the doorway to salvation and eternal life that we could not have access without Him. His perfect sacrifice provided our passage from penalty to pardon, from death to life. Yet, so many are unaware of the life of freedom that can be theirs. All they have to do is ask and surrender their lives to Him. By faith in Him, they can overcome the power of sin and death and find victory and life. Perhaps even some that are listening to me today or have read my book, Born to Die, That We May Live, are still asking themselves, is what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago really pertinent to me today? Even professing Christians struggle with fully understanding and appreciating the high cost of love that Jesus paid for us. It is difficult to have a strong foundation as a Christian without a revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. Living a life that is pleasing to God is not about religious rules, but about desiring a heart that is fully surrendered to Him. More than anything, God desires our hearts. Our willingness to take part in this covenant relationship with Him attracts His presence and brings His abounding grace, amazing grace, and great grace upon our lives. When we consider all the festivities that surround the Christmas season or the Easter season holidays, and as we celebrate the birth, death, and resurrection of Christ, it's hard to consider that the purpose of His birth was also connected to His death. While many today pursue exalted and high places, Jesus, the exalted one, left His highest place to pursue us. Why? Why would He endure a life that would lead Him to, to the cross? Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3 says it beautifully and so clearly. He was willing to give himself for us to suffer shame and brutality and endure the cross for the joy set before him. What was his joy beyond the cross? His joy was us and all those who through him are reconciled to God, our Father and Creator of heaven and earth, the God that the heavens of the heavens is not worthy to contain. In Jesus' own words, he says, No greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends, John 15, 13. Yes, from the manger to the cross, Jesus was born to die, that we may live. My friends, I just felt it was important to get us back to the focus of the simplicity of the cross. My next podcast will be about, because of the cross, he was born to die, that we may live. And once we have a revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, God then, because that's good news, isn't it? But in the good news, God calls us to be the salt of the earth and for us to be the bearer of good news. And so that'll be the next podcast. If you haven't had a chance to get my book, Born to Die, That We May Live, uh, it's available, I believe, on all of your bookstores, also online at the various uh, uh, avenues that you can get books online, or you can contact my office. I'll also be doing some daily uh, things during the Easter season 
about, of an audio version of my book, Born to Die, that was done with a professional voice, and I'll give some narrative to, uh, to it and introduction and outros to those. If you'd like more information about that, contact me at my office at somebodycares at somebodycares.org and say we'd like to get uh, more information about the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection and the book, Born to Die, that we may live. God bless, and we'll talk to you again soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.